0: Welcome to the Open House Podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Over these four weeks, we've covered what we've called the big Fs of life. Failure, forgiveness, last week freedom, and this week, finally, faith. Faith sometimes seems a pretty nebulous, intangible, even ethereal thing, or it's theoretical, just a head thing that doesn't seem to have much to do with cold, hard reality. But for my next two guests, it's been a very real, practical, down-to-earth and powerful thing over a rich and rollicking life, and today they are being forced to rest on that faith in a battle for life itself. Kay and Russell Clark, welcome to Open House. Thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you. There is so much ground to cover, as I said, in your rich and rollicking life. (laughs) Could we start with that moment? I'd like to start here where you both hooked up together. Russell.
1: My sister took pity on me. I was a conscientious, finally a medical student and I really worked very hard. I was very serious and I didn't go out on Saturday nights to parties. I just worked and she said, I think you need a girlfriend and I know just the one for you. You'll meet her if you go to Lake Macquarie Crusader Camp Working Bee. So I set aside that weekend to go and meet this special woman that my sister had lined up for me.
0: What great trust.
1: And uh, it was a wonderful occasion. I met Kay there, but she wasn't the special woman. Oh. <laughs> but she was far too young, but she was clearly the, the best one there. Yeah. And I just made a mental note. i wait for this one to grow up. How old were you, Kay? She 16. Su- okay. Sweet 16. And you were? Oh, I was a finally a medical student. I was easily 22. 22. Oh, goodness. And uh, so I did the, the Christian thing. I was the leader of a beach mission team. And I invited her, would she consider joining the beach mission team? Good move, Russell. I could keep an eye on her. And I've been greatly blessed. 41 years of marriage to this wonderful woman. Yeah,
0: congratulations. (laughs) Russell, you should explain what you do for a job.
1: I'm a doctor. Um, I'm a specialist physician. I've uh, just attended, uh, two weekends ago, the 45-year reunion of our graduation year. Um, I've worked... uh, I've trained in Sydney at, at Prince Alfred Hospital as a physician and uh, I've run a department of medicine in uh, Hong Kong and to uh, just started the geriatric department at St Vincent's Hospital where I was for 17 years a staff specialist. And uh, then I've been uh, <coughs> in Africa for seven years where I was a professor in an African medical school called Tumaini and, uh, and the senior specialist in the hospital Kilimanjaro Christian Medical Centre. And now I've I've given up clinical practice, but uh, I continue teaching, so I now am a teacher at uh, the University of New South Wales Medical
0: School at the Notre Dame Medical School. And a most esteemed member of the medical profession, I might say. <laughs> Kay, at what stage did you have the penny dropped that this mature young man was having you in his sights?
2: Um,
0: uh, yes, that's an really question. See, yes. yes.
2: I was interested in him, but he was very old <laughs> and, I ha- and very kind of staid. And, and I guess that's what I, I had to come to terms this before it. we had computers. No, no, no. Not a nerd. I um, guess
0: she's told you this before. <laughs> <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> but it blossomed. It did develop.
2: Yes. So the, the culmination was on the beach on team night off at um, Beach Mission, New Year's Eve, in the moonlight... The team leader oh. proposed to me, went on on his knees in the sand and proposed. How old were you? Uh, 20.
0: How romantic. <laughs> I'm tearing up here. <laughs> so then began this rich and rollicking life. You ultimately went on to be missionaries. Where did you go, Russell? Well, we went to Hong Kong, but uh, that wasn't where we thought
1: we were going. Uh, that was part of uh, trusting God, really. I, I think... Um, I I was very greatly influenced by reading Jungle Doctor Paul White books when I was a boy, and uh, I believe God was saying to me that uh, I should do medicine and I should be a missionary doctor. No one in my family had been to university, no one in my family had anything to do with medicine and health issues, so it was really quite a big thing for a 10-year-old boy to get the idea that Absolutely. he should be a doctor. My parents were a bit anxious that... Uh, I had tickets on myself to think I could go to university uh, and be a doctor. Um, but it was very much there. And I loved medicine once I got into it. And um, and so I just thanked the Lord, really. that. Uh, so
0: you thought you were heading to Africa, ultimately?
1: Well, Africa was an option until I met. Uh, no, it was a Billy Graham crusade. And I was a counsellor there in sixty um, eight. Anyway, Billy Graham appealed to all the counsellors. He said, why are all you Christian people going off to Africa and India when you're not going to Indonesia? It's our neighbour. It's a great mission field there. you should be there. And uh, I felt, okay, that should be the right thing to do. So the focus was all on um, <clears throat> going to Indonesia. But then I thought, I need a wife. I can't possibly um, go by myself. So he drops down on So, yeah, well, I I had this, this one. I was... Keeping on the back burner as it were, she was with someone else, i mean it wasn 't as if i was I was delinquent in this. I had to wait for the very narrow moment of opportunity where I could get in Pounce. so yeah, i pounced <laughs> and uh, and and I have to say the part of the condition was that Kay had to know that as this twenty year old conditional consider, proposal
2: yes <laughs>
1: that I was thinking of being a missionary you better think about uh, about whether you want me or not based upon this uh, uncertainty of my future. So what did you say?
2: I said yes straight away. Nice, I yeah, wish I'd good. waited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and no hesitation with the mission thing.
2: Well, I'd already thought about that. That was yes. one of the things on my radar. Um, I'd done biochemistry thinking that would be a good thing to, to use overseas, to work overseas. So it was already in my kind of um, ambit of considerations mm, but wonderful. I didn't stop and I just said yes. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> well you would, wouldn't you? <laughs>
1: oh, that's very kind Ten, of that, think,
0: ten right? years in Hong Kong. Tell us what yeah. that was like.
2: It was fabulous. Yeah. It was a wonderful time, yeah. It was a really exciting place to live. And uh, I think interesting for our kids to grow up in a different culture. I found that very stimulating, living in um, a very different culture. Not only was it different racially, but, but um, we lived in a very poor part of Hong Kong the hospital was a Christian hospital built to serve the people in the, in the poor areas um, government resettlement housing and that was very confronting and squatter huts and, and um, I think for our kids to have experienced living amongst people who are very poor I mean we were very comfortable but, but for them to know what poverty is um, I don't think Australian kids really have much idea
0: They were no doubt changed by that
2: Yes, I think so. Yeah. Well, um, two of them have ended up back overseas. <laughs> yes.
0: Russell, what did you gain out of that experience? Uh, that I could trust God.
1: As I said, we we, um, we thought we were going to Indonesia and in fact lined up a position. It was uh, blocked by a bureaucracy in Indonesia. In fact, Indonesia for all these years will not allow foreign doctors to work in their country in uh, in really any capacity apart from research or short-term things. So that was blocked and we didn't know where to go. Kay didn't like the thought of Africa, so we, we, we didn't think of Africa and we were thinking of, of Asia, that's where we wanted to go. And I haven't got the message from Billy Graham, goodness <laughs> me, what could I do now? What, what, had, what had gone wrong? <laughs> yeah. But what we didn't know, and we're a bit isolated in, in Australia, what we didn't know is that... Christians had invested a huge effort and you know, a huge sum of money into building a major hospital a hospital, a 640 bed hospital that's a bigger hospital than St Vincent's they couldn't find someone trained in medicine, a physician, a specialist physician and uh, that's what, what my training was so as a young man I, I just went wanting to be helpful because missionary training teaches you, you don't go to ever be in charge or rule you go just to make contributions um, wait to be asked. Well, didn't take long before I was asked. We arrived on a Thursday night, and there, in the apartment we we're living as part of the hospital, was uh, was a list of the doctors in the hospital, and under the different departments: surgery, obstetrics, pediatrics, and medicine, which was my department and a group, not many, of doctors and an asterisk against my name. And he looked at the bottom of the asterisk. It said, head of department. (laughs) (laughs) So as a young man, I think I was 32, I found that I was in charge of a department that had a 20-bed intensive care unit, had uh, 180 beds um, and hardly any doctors, but lots of uh, sick people to look after. So I've never worked as hard as I've worked in my 10 years there because... People rightly think they're very busy in Sydney in an emergency department. If you get two hundred a day, that's a very busy emergency department. We were four hundred a day, wow. um, and uh, we just people were just overflowing all the time. So, lots of trust in God. Well, it was that it was a wonderful p- position. There, there are not that many specialist physicians apply to mission society work because they're not considered as useful as surgeons and obstetricians. People who can do practical things. But I always wanted to be a physician. That's, that was the thing I liked to do. And yet God, and God has given me the most wonderful medical experiences, and meeting the need that they couldn't find of someone to to run that, they found surgeons and others to 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 be in the hospital. So uh, it was it was a very fulfilling professionally, personally
0: rewarding experience, as well as a useful experience for the work. Yeah, it's a great story on Open House. We're with Kay and Russell Clark. Speaking about faith, you come back to Australia, and in nineteen ninety five, Kay, you suffer breast cancer. That's right, and it was pretty bad.
2: Yes, quite aggressive. Yeah, fast growing, and, and I thought I'd be dead in two years. So I worked in breast cancer research at the time, so I knew what to expect, and um, I thought I had two years to live. Actually,
0: how did you manage that? <laughs>
2: Um, well, the right answer would be I should have kind of thought about what I needed to do. But actually, um, I suppose after about a year I worked out that I wasn't going to die just now. Um, but it's a very good wake-up call to think about what matters in your life and and what doesn't. But um, And some people would say it's a scary time, but actually I look back on it as a wonderful time because everything else... Pales into oblivion, and your focus is on you and God. And I mean, lots of people were praying for me, obviously, um, but it was a wonderful experience. Of I felt closer to God than I've ever felt in my life before.
0: Have you been, no doubt, grateful for the years that followed?
2: Well, I, I now think that you know, thank you, God. I've had. 15, 17 years of bonus. So when I when I first realised that that's what I had, I, I thought two things. One, we wanted to go overseas and work again. I thought, well, that's the end of that plan. And the other thing was, oh, well, I'll never have any grandchildren. So here I am now with 11 grandchildren and seven years in Tanzania.
0: Yes, which we'll get to. Russell, what was it like for you to bridge those two kind of extremes of being the professional and esteemed doctor and yet such a personal and no doubt fearful thing right at home.
1: Yes, I I often wonder whether it's wise or it's good to be medically trained when your spouse has a medical condition that's very serious or not. I think on balance it's it's better to know. And so certainly um, for the next two years... I I was anxious and I, I took seriously the injunctions from the scriptures to not be anxious but to pray. And uh, I've never prayed as as hard or as intensely. I think I prayed driving. I prayed whenever I wasn't doing something, I was actually praying. And I was just really bringing it before the Lord. And uh, I knew that all would be well. It didn't stop me praying. It's interesting. So I didn't suddenly say, oh, well, I don't have to pray. Um, or I did keep praying. But I also felt that all would be well. What worried me most, I have to say selfishly, was uh, that I don't think I could have coped bringing up the children by myself. So there was a bit of self-interest in this (laughs) and I feel very sorry, really, and genuinely. I I worry most about those people who get serious illnesses while they're still in the midst of child-rearing. My heart goes out to them. We must care for those people more than anything else. There was so much support and... And and the medical services in Australia, so very good, and we received excellent medical care. And uh, so we had that uh, hope, really, that all would be well. But we used to always go to the CMS Summer School um, every year. Having been missionaries and then coming back and hearing other people's stories, we'd always say to each other, oh, gee, we wish we'd be back there again. They're having all the fun, all those missionaries (laughs) out there, all those adventures. We'd like to go back again. And then came along the cancer, and it seemed, well, it's you know, a bad prognosis. It looks like we can't go, and I wasn't particularly uh, keen on the thought of going by myself, so we would go as a unit. Um, and it came to me that, uh, that I should pray that um, we take it as a sign that if Kay was free of cancer within five, five years' time, we'd see that, OK, we're still able to go, and
0: we'll apply to see if we can go again. Which you did. And then end up in Africa for another seven years.
1: Yes, again, that wasn't where we thought we were going. <laughs> um, I developed some links um, with uh, medical services in China. We were encouraged by our mission society to, to think of going back to Hong Kong and, and work our services in China, and there's an invitation that Kay
0: would have an opportunity to work there too. Hmm. So you're doing medical work in Africa. Kay, what were you doing there?
2: I was working in a Bible school which trained pastors for the local diocese to work in the churches, um, men and women, and I taught in the Bible school. They were the most appreciative students I have ever had, so mostly older men and women, um, very little education. They'd been to primary school only, and they put up with me teaching them in Swahili, bad Swahili, (laughs) But they were so grateful for the opportunity to learn, to study. It was wonderful,
0: inspirational. So you spent seven years in Africa, you've been back three, and your health takes another bad turn, Kay. Can mm. you explain to us how that started?
2: Well, very little in the beginning. So I had a, a minor slurring of my, my speech. You can probably hear it now. It's worse now, actually, um, which I had for about a year. And nothing nothing more. And we didn't do anything about it. Then eventually Russell kept thinking what it might be and off we went to a neurologist and um, had some scans and found that I had a brain tumour in my brain stem.
0: How bad is that?
2: Um, it'll kill me. The, the stats are untreated three months survival, um, treated 12 months survival... Oh. Basically,
1: at oh. two, uh, two years, 20% survival at two mm-hmm. years So with, with treatment. It,
2: and- it just grows. And we, where it is, it can't be removed. Um, it just grows and kind of messes everything up.
0: And where are you in terms of time?
2: Well, I think I'm in overtime already because I've had it, had it for a year. That's, that's one of the hard things I find. I like to be a bit in control <laughs> and I all- have no idea yes. how long I'm here for.
0: So an exercise of even greater faith at this stage.
2: Yes, yes, I think, yes. I think my faith isn't exercised in that it's a given. Um, I know where I'm headed for and I know whom I trust in. It's part of
0: my life. So in terms of your faith, I'm not talking about faith that you will Mm. recover. And Mm. you say, I know where I'm heading. Mm. How can you be sure of that? Because...
2: God has promised um, and I've put my trust in him. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you and um, and I believe him.
0: Russell, what about you? How are you managing this time?
1: Much less anxious than I was last time. I don't know whether you get a training in uh, a spouse. <laughs> I'm sure
0: you do, actually. <laughs>
1: um, living with cancer. No, I, I really feel very much at peace about it all. Uh, and I'm greatly encouraged by... Because Kay reacts to this so positively and so well, it might be very different. It probably would be if she if she reacted differently. But um, we are very grateful for friends who are praying for us, and it was something we really wanted to let people know about it. And there are many people praying that you'll be miraculously cured, that the can- the, the tune will go well. But I won't. It'd be wonderful, if it did. We'll both be very grateful. Um, but we're not counting on that at all. We are. Trusting that God will help us through this period, I think we both thought okay I should say it really, we both thought when we heard the diagnosis well it 's a bit easier at our age to get this yes. diagnosis
2: as I said before, I had these two regrets about going overseas and having grandchildren. This time, I figure that I was going to retire this year anyway, and i 've done all the things i 'm going to do we 're too old to go overseas again, even though I 'd quite like to. Um, so in a sense, you know, you've got to get old sometime, die of something.
0: Are you fearful at all?
2: No, although I had a um, kind of strange thing along the way where I thought I was dying and I thought in the midst of it, it doesn't feel very pleasant. I don't like it. Mm. So I'm not afraid of dying. I think Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid of dying, but I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) So, you know. There's that, but no, I'm, I'm I'm not fearful. And
0: there's certainly no denying it.
2: No, no. No, and I get impatient with people who say, oh, I'm sure you'll be healed. Mm. I argue with them.
0: <laughs> you belligerent woman. <laughs> but it is an exercise of great faith to trust.
2: Well, I think God's never let me down. So, you know, I can trust him in everything that I've come across so far. Where else is there to go, actually?
1: Russell? I've been rehearsing over uh, many years why I believe, and uh, our existence can't be explained by any other way than um, than a created God who's made us. I mean, it's absolutely absurd. I've, I might get increasingly angry and annoyed with the scientific community that think they've got explanations of our existence. We haven't. Nothing at all. I can assure you, as a medically trained person and trained in biological medical sciences... Nothing can be explained other than a great almighty being has brought us into being. And I'm very sure that the more I study my medicine and teach my medical students and just reflect upon how we are, we're designed, we're designed, there's no pseudo design and this, nothing like this could have happened. That gives me a lot of comfort actually. And then then I have a lot of confidence that the biblical record is reliable and accurate. I, I see no reason to doubt it. And so as we, as we keep, reading the bible we find that jesus becomes alive in the bible and and i reflect what's it mean to be a christian it's really knowing the presence of god with me day by day and before we had this diagnosis with k i really i really thought yeah i've had a fortunate life would I would I be sure of my faith if things went wrong? And I think God <laughs> it was, putting, was your fault, then. <laughs> God was God was putting the thoughts in my oh, mind before we had it, and it's always inspired me enormously. The testimony of Job: the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I thought that's that's how I want to be. Yes. Okay? I haven't been tested. Everyone can look at me and say, "Oh, you know, you've had a good life, really," and I have. How would you go if you got something that really? goes wrong well I'm happy to say that at this stage I'm feeling okay about the reality of it I'm not pleased that my wife's going to die I wish she didn't but can we accept it I believe so
0: okay when this kills you and I feel Mm. confident in you enough to be able to put it so directly how would you like people to remember how you dealt with this
2: honestly I think openly One of the things I appreciate at the moment is the chance to be blunt, to talk to people because I figure that I've got nothing to lose and to be able to talk about real things with people, cut to the chase, is great. So I guess that's the important thing.
0: Even hopefully through faith.
2: Yes, yes. I mean I want to stop everyone and talk to them about it because it matters. And maybe they haven't thought about it. And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking about it because it obviously is on my horizon. So I want other people to think about it too.
0: Okay, Russell Clark, it's a great privilege for us to speak with you on Open House. It's a big thing that you've put yourself up for this. And I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thanks, Pleasure. Thanks.